welcome back to another episode of the Float Universe podcast. I'm so glad to have this guest tonight. I've been on this DMT journey now for quite some time. I had used DMT four or five times where I had broken through years ago. I kind of given it up because marijuana said, can't come back. All these psychedelics said to me, you can't come back until you stop smoking weed. So I've kind of just taken a break from these deep psychedelic trips, uh, DMT, LSD, MDMA, mushrooms. For the past maybe year, year and a half, my dad passed away. I've been smoking a lot of weed and usually DMT, ayahuasca, they don't mix with weed. So I've kind of taken a break. But in the past maybe month, month and a half, you and a lot of these other authors, DMT itself feels like it's re-emerging and it's trying to speak to me. It wants me to go back into the journey to explore. And I have been talking to lots of different authors, some of them against DMT, some of them for DMT. I kind of sit in the middle, leaning towards the pro side of it because I found significant benefits in it. But I'm trying to be as honest as I can in my quest to discover what DMT is, if it can be even understood, is it good? Is it bad? Is it just inherently just inert and, and you know, it's just the subjective user's experience. So I, I'm, it, you know, I come across your book in this, like I said, these past few weeks, really, I think I found you on Twitter that led to a whole rabbit hole of, of so many other things. I've really found a lot of um, pros and cons for using DMT in the past month with my Twitter exploration I, I came across your book and by the way your book is beautiful let me let me just introduce you first actually let me do a disclaimer i'm going to read the disclaimer of your book because i think it's important with the subject matter we're getting into so the disclaimer is this the ideas recipes and experiences expressed in this book are from my personal exploration of dimethyltryptamine i am not a medical doctor nor am i giving medical advice laws are different depending on what country you live in please do not do anything that is unlawful or unsafe uh, there are chemicals and processes outlined in this book that can be extremely dangerous and can cause serious bodily harm if proper precautions are not followed. The ingredients used in the DMT brew have been reported to have adverse interactions with several types of prescription medica medications related to MAOIs. And you should consult your doctor if you have any concerns. Once you use DMT, your perception of the external world as well as your self-awareness will be forever altered. You will not be able to go back to the old way of seeing things. Uh, have an open mind and enjoy the incredible experience, but please be careful and responsible. Do your own research and ask questions and make sure you have the proper uh, intentions during all stages of your journey. So welcome, Adam D. Butler, and we're going to talk about Butler's DMT Field Guide, a brief history, step-by-step -step recipes, and personal experiences from a DMT-saturated consciousness. Welcome, Adam Butler, to the Float Universe. How are you tonight? I'm excellent. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, man. It was a really good book, man. I really enjoyed this. Uh, first of all, the art caught me. You know, it's the yellow as I, 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 you know, it's the color of the crystals in my experience. So the yellow was the perfect color for mm -hmm. the book. I love the picture on the front. It really, it, it caught my eye. And, and, and I like to thank you for writing a concise to the point book. Um, and that's what I'm noticing with a lot of these new authors I'm, I'm discovering. It's 100, 150 pages. It's to the point. And that's what I like. I don't need you know, uh, long winded bullshit. So I appreciate this. This is a really good book for anybody that is either an expert, uh, if you can be, or an, a, an absolute beginner and doesn't know anything about it. So, so many questions I have for you tonight. And I, I did need to read that disclaimer because, you know, like I feel a responsibility, um, in a sense, promoting these things that, 
you know, as much as I can say that I've had great experiences and your book can say the same thing, I've read so many stories that are the opposite. So I just wanted to read that disclaimer for, for both of our sakes. And, uh, you know, you, you say it saved your life. And by the way, happy Mother's Day. We are recording this on Mother's Day. And I, I don't know if there's a coincidence there. I feel like ayahuasca is the mother of all psychedelics. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, but happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there that are listening. And uh, again, welcome, Adam. So tell me a little bit about yourself before we get started. What were you doing prior to discovering DMT? Well, first off, if I may, to, uh, to oh, sure. point out on Mother's Day, uh, this, the synchronicities of that certainly cannot be um, mistaken or negated. The fact that I put my mother through all this crap as well as me, and the fact that this is happening on this day, uh, certainly is important for a lot of reasons. So I just want to say that as well. Happy Mother's Day. And I do love my mother because she's part of this process and journey as well. Um, as far as how I got exposed to DMT, it was one of those things where I kind of got the calling. Um, I had done shrooms and LSD in you know high school and college. Then I, I kind of left it for 15, 20 years of my life. And then everything in my life hit the fan. And without getting into all of my past history, because I think at, at 42 years old, most people that I've reached my age have a whole boatload of crap. And it sounds like you went through a well, boatload we, of crap. I wanted to ask you, you don't have to tell me your exact birthday. What what month were you born in? Uh, July 22nd. Okay, I'm July 5th. So you're, you're borderline there, uh, you're cusp cancer, uh, but I'm a cancer. I thought, I, I was like, what if this guy is born July 5th too? No, it's I'm a cancer and I actually share the birthday with my grandfather, who was the most important man in my life. So I, I always, once again, just another synchronicity in my life that kind of puts this whole DMT experience, try to put it in some sort of perspective. It's a tough conversation and a, a tough topic to discuss because you don't want to promote it. You, well, you don't want to just condone the use or promote the use, excuse me, nonchalantly, because as much as it can save lives, it can certainly ruin lives. And, and it's not something that you should take lightly. Uh, in fact, when I got exposed to DMT, I had access to it for months prior. And a buddy of mine said, you know, I think this may help you. And I just, I wasn't ready mentally. I knew once I took that leap that there was really no going back. But I knew that the, the benefit of psychedelics, or, or I, I, I wanted to explore the benefit of psychedelics. So I started doing shrooms. Uh, and I started doing massive doses, you know, five, six, seven grams, mm -hmm. um, going really, really deep. And I felt comfortable being in that altered state. And I felt comfortable with, with why I was doing it in the proper intent. And, and I guess to, to, to backtrack, um, without all the details, I had lost everything in my life from beautiful houses, beautiful relationships, the, the career that was, you know, 180 grand a year, to, to everything possible that a man could have. And I lost it all. Dude, and I lost uh, it because uh, it was uh, my fault. Let, let, let me tell you something. I, I really resonated with your your personal story. And that's why I wanted to really talk about that first, because it's the, it's our lives, it's our lifestyles, it's our decision making, it's our unconsciousness that ultimately, I think both of us, you know, led down and I, I had a similar thing. I had a good thing going. I was making some more money. I thought the party would never stop. And uh, it did. And but then, you know, the, the psychedelics in general started calling to me in the float tank. And this, this is how I got here. But I, I really resonated with your story of being, you know, I think you were more successful than me, actually, in a lot of ways, too. And I was I was wondering, and I'm not trying to get too personal, and you don't have to answer this, obviously, but 
what 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 career? I, I, I were you? Were, I guess you said you were a researcher at some point. I was trying to figure out what you were doing prior as a as a um, profession to this adventure you undertook. So it's a colorful story in itself. Um, so I guess that's also how I, I think I've been able to approach DMT from a lot of different perspectives. So I was trained academically in college um, as a scientist. So I was an entomologist working on West Nile virus in Tripoli. Uh, so I was, you know, an insect geek. So that really trained my mind towards analytical data collection. And at that point, I was I was a, an atheist. I actually thought anybody that you no know, could be a scientist and and be religious because I thought that they were contradictory. Mm -hmm. um, after seven eight years in college, I actually walked away and then started carving wood. So then I started training my science, uh, my artistic side of my brain. So I carved wood and kind of trained to be an artist for. Well, but hold on, but that's a huge leap, though. I mean, to go from like a, it sounds like a scientist to you know that gets a a paycheck maybe from a company, and then you go from like into wood cutting. How do you make that transition? <laughs> so I bought my first house, and there were six huge oak trees that I had to take down, and I cut them down. And I had always enjoyed wood carving, and I was like, you know what, I'm ready for the next challenge. Um, I was comfortable financially because of my grandfather, um, you know, he had hooked me up with a pretty significant sum of cash. So I, I was really lucky in that respect where, you know, and in my book, I say this, that I really was raised with a silver spoon. Mm -hmm. So I had every advantage possible. Um, so for me to take that leap, you know, I, I had the backing of my parents, I had the backing of, of some financial resources. So it was more really more for my expansion of mind. And, and what can I do completely differently? And, and it, it was it was a leap. I think I think we had similar things. My my thing was like, okay, I've experienced a lot of these things, and this earth has to, you know, offer. And it really, it's only a, a a graduation up to having maybe another car, another house, or something. Like it was kind of like a pointless endeavor. And I, and I, I, my my ego and the the ego structure of my career and all these things started to fall apart. And I started to ask myself the question: Well, why am I here? And what what's really the point of this if it's not, you know, satisfaction through material gain or you know, egoic conquest of like women or careers, you know? So that's what uh, God, in a way, brought me to my knees through the destruction of my supposed life that I had created through my own, you know, supposed like willpower and, and being. But then I, you know, it brought me closer to God ultimately. And that's why I was wondering, you know, like you, you, the, the prior story is very important to the story of the DMT because a lot of people like, and you talk about this in the book, like, when should you take DMT set and setting wise? It should it be at the lowest point of your life or it should be when you're you know, like rocking and rolling. You know what I mean? So it's like you want to have a good set and setting when you take DMT. But a lot of times people need it when they're at the absolute bottom of their existence, you know, and I always I always have a trouble um, suggesting psychedelics to people because, you know, if you're already in a lowered state of being, maybe you could keep going, you know, maybe it could do more harm than good. So that's why I always find it interesting to ask the backstory of how you got here, because you know, you know, like you, you had it all, you had it all. You had the ego, you had the career, you had, you know, you know, you, you had the material world. It sounds like solved. Well, that, that was when life was going good. Yeah. And so then, then I stopped carving wood and then I got into real estate investing and then I started flipping and buying properties. And then I started being a home inspector and, and really, you know, I had the three-story Victorian right on the wall out of living life, living the dream. But I was an alcoholic, aggressive, belligerent asshole. I mean, that that's really the only way to put it. And and Me I lived too. this facade yeah. as some guy that had it all. And I pushed away everybody beautiful and important in my life. And I, I lost everything. But then I rebuilt again. 
And then I got screwed over again in another business setting. And, and that's really what where I lost it. So I had been, you know, had horrible relationship issues, horrible money issues, horrible living situations. But then the, the straw that broke my back was a, a business adventure that that went awry because somebody was deceitful. Um and and I I actually I threatened to kill a man. And and I say this in the book too, and I don't say that lightly. Um I threatened to to kill somebody that lived a short distance from me. And and as a, a grown man, he had the ability to kill me just as easy. You know, so it wasn't something that I took lightly. Mm-hmm. That was on a Sunday. Um I woke up the next Monday, the next Monday, and I said, I'm driving to California to hug a redwood tree. And I literally just packed a backpack and I Drove to California. Uh, I drove 26 hours the first day, nonstop. Um, ended up in Kansas City, and then from that day, you know, I ended up in California. I ended up hugging my redwood, and then I spent 13 months on the road traveling the country. So well, hold I, on now. I, I, I hate to keep interrupting, but it's like, damn. Okay, it sounds like a pretty materialistic, egotistical guy doesn't wouldn't know about hugging a tree. You know what I mean? That's a very hippie, uh, you know, kind of like. Well, that's where the bug loving comes in. So, you know, as a trained entomologist, I, I was always out in the woods being one with nature. And and I'm I'm the type of guy that takes a fly outside. Um, yeah, me know, too. I'm I'm, I'm the, definitely connected with with Mother Nature. But and I knew that that was so. To your point though about the material things, all of that can be taken away so easily. And and I realized that there there was more to it. And and I went out into the woods and into the desert, honestly, to to kill myself. So I went out and I had probably. I don't know, an ounce, of ho- ounce and a half of shrooms. Um, I had, so I did quit drinking alcohol. I, I want to state that that was a major part of my life. So I'm two and a half years sober. Which Congratulations. Was, thank you. Um, that in retrospect, you know, I was 40 pounds overweight. I was nasty. I, I just, I was masking all of my inner demons as opposed to trying to understand them. And then, and so that, that ultimately is what led me to the psychedelics. So it was like, all right, so the outside world isn't going to give me my answers. Um, I need to look within. And, and that was the hardest thing to hold up a mirror to your psyche. When you know how flawed of a human you are, when you know how many mistakes you've made, when you know how many people you've hurt and it's like, Oh shit, <laughs> I'm in this position because of things that I did. Um, I, and, and in my case, like I said, it was tough because I had every possible advantage. I, I had no excuse not to be the pinnacle of, of success in all aspects of my life. I had everything there as a foundation to work on. So when I lost everything, there was really no one to blame but myself. Um, well, you know, one could argue though that you didn't have God. Well, so you funny you say that. So what actually saved me when I was and, and I, like I said, I went out and I was on the road for a good two weeks contemplating killing myself. And and, and you know, speaking on Mother's Day, I was speaking with my mother every day, and and it wasn't a rational, excuse me, an irrational decision like today I'm going to do it. it or I'm, I'm having a really bad moment and something pissed me off. I'm going to go drive my car into a bridge. It was a, an, an honest, serious, long-term contemplation of what are the pros and cons of living? Um, let's balance this out. And, and as you know, I do have the right to take my own life and then I do have the ability to, to, you know, to, to make that decision. And I went out and put a lot of energy and effort into it. And what actually saved me was my niece is also has gone through some mental issues and and she had in, in confidence told to me that she had some mental issues and, and had thought about suicide. And and this young woman at 20 years old is, is such a bright light and, and the world needs her to help save some of the some of the people in it. And, and I was like, you know what? 
I need to save myself so I can save her. And if I can save her, I can save 10 more people. And if I can save 10 more people, I can save 100. And you know what? Instead of me stacking houses or stacking women or stacking commas in my bank account, I'm going to try to save as many lives as I can. And, and I'm not a super religious guy, but that moment I said, I'm going to follow God. And, and to come out of my mouth, as I'm a very spiritual person, and I've studied all of the world's religions, and, and, and I've kind of combined them into my own kind of universal truths kind of religion. But for yeah. me to say, I'm going to follow God. Um, and I, I mean, I have it tattooed on my throat, like across my face, uh, not across my face, excuse me, across my, my neck saying, Vaya con Dios, and, and I will always go with God. And, and it was one of those like, oh, shit, um, I'm not alone. So yeah, uh, it was a matter of finding God. But then now, what, how do you deal with that? And, and I guess that's where DMT came in, where it's like, oh, shit, everything that everybody else is, is in this rat race for, everything that el everybody else is thinks so important is now meaningless to you. Absolutely. Like, the expansion of my consciousness and, and the, the writings of my wrongs and the trying to help people now just took over everything. So that's where writing this book came in. You know, I, I took five or six months out of my life to be like, I'm going to try to tell this story. And, and yes, there were some things about it that were shocking. And, and there were some things that were, you know, even just the swearing in it, the, the talk about transcendental sex, the talk about, you know, there were some things in it that I was trying to grab attention. So that way this conversation could happen. The like, let's talk about people's mental health issues. And I think the coolest thing about DMT is that it's introduced me to so many cool new friends that once I show them my vulnerability and say, hey, look at my scars and look at what I've done and my failures, they know that they can then share them with me. Um, and then the conversation just gets expanded. And, and DMT allows that in a setting where there's no ego. And what more important thing can you talk about than expansion of your own consciousness, in my opinion? You know, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I, you talk about this at the, at the end of the book and kind of throughout, which is spreading this DMT message. And I, I've, in the beginning, I was like you, I was very gung-ho about it because it did a significant amount of good for me. And I've, it's never done bad for me. And the times that I thought it was dark or evil or, or you know, it was me. It was, I felt it was a reflection of my inner state. Now, that's easy for me to say. I've done a thousand hours in a float tank. I've done all these psychedelics as many times as, as possible to get what I can out of them. And I still can't recommend them to people because I don't know their inner being. And so this is why I wanted to talk to you because I, I, I still feel that DMT is a good thing. It's, I feel maybe it's a cosmic telephone and it's, you know, you're hooking up to maybe an entity relative to your vibratory state, good or bad. Yeah, that's an awesome way of putting it. Absolutely. But your book doesn't really even talk about that. You, you don't really uh, talk about entities or, you know, and which I appreciate because I never honestly encountered any actual entities. I heard voices. And I heard things that maybe similar to your stories that, you know, uh, you know, God was talking to me. But DMT came along my path uh, after I found float tanks and the float tanks allowed me to reach this inner stillness where I could start to really figure out a lot of things internally. That's why I promote the float tank because it's just natural. You lay in Epsom salt. And by the way, have you ever floated? No, and I'm hoping you'll offer the same thing that you offered your other. Podcast. Yes, we're going to make sure we get, we get you in the tank. We'll, <laughs> oh. get, we'll, we'll get down there. I want to get I want to go through the story in the book for us before we get down to, uh, you know, pe peppering you with a thousand questions. And like, believe me, I got them. So we're oh, I love talking about this stuff. We're, we're a similar age. Um, you, like I said, we both had everything in the world. Uh, my great parents, I had a silver spoon in my mouth, relatively speaking. And uh, I, I, you know, it all went to piss. 
I found the float tank. I found psychedelics and I've been a proponent of them for probably now since 2014, big time. And only in the past two years, as I've gone down the conspiracy rabbit hole and um, seen my own stories versus other people saying that it's just demonic shit and it's evil and don't mess with it. It's confusing or you're unleashing like the last guy I talked to. And I really appreciate what he's talking about. I don't know if you listen to that one. The, 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 the dragon being unleashed, you know, that collectively we're unleashing these things that other cultures may have done in the past. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that on a, on a one-to-one level at a, at a personal thing. Um, you know, like I, I personally don't believe my intentions were evil. And I, I felt like, again, it was some kind of reflection, but I don't want to get into that. I don't want to talk my stuff just yet. I want to keep digging on you in this book. So, um, it says here, DMT, a personally guided tour of the inner workings of your consciousness. Now, I felt that way. That's, that's a quote from your book. Um, you, you, I felt like when I smoked DMT, I got to look at the back panel of my like circuit board. That's how I honestly felt like, okay, I'm getting to look at where my wires are crossed, where you know, uh, you know the circuit board's fried. I got to feel like I got to look at the, like if I was a robot, I got to look at the back panel of my like system. And so I felt like that quote, you said DMT, a personally guided tour of the inner workings of your consciousness. So tell me about that. So um, first of all, how many times have you smoked DMT? Uh, hundreds. I just smoked it last night. I smoke it weekly. Um, but then there are times, it, it's one of those weird things. Where, so you, you talk about marijuana use. Um, I smoke weed every day, all day. Okay. that's When, oh, when I, I was drinking, it was like, you know, I can't wait to get a cold drink in me. With DMT, it's one. It, I don't think it's addictive at all. Um, I don't necessarily crave it. I, I use it for spiritual and enlightening purposes. I use it for meditative purposes. I use it for sexual purposes. Um, We're talking about marijuana now. No, or, no, I'm, I'm talking about DMT. Okay, but you I'm did. But you, how, but, how it's, it's one of those things where it's not. So I I'm, I smoke it a, a lot, and I've smoked it hundreds of times. But it, it's not this addictive thing where you crave it. And if anything, I would say that's the one thing I, I will agree with you for one hundred percent. Than I and I've actually hit it where it's like oh, I'm going to do it, and it's like it's almost like you're waiting for that that perfect timing where you're trying to hop on like you know the the speeding train, and it's sometimes the doors are full, sometimes they're not there, and and sometimes you just gotta like you know you're not hopping on that train, and and it it never gets easy. Exactly. Wow. This is why I'm a proponent of psychedelics is they kind of, I feel like the psychedelics regulate the situations themselves they're, and they're not addictive and they can kick your ass out with a bad trip anytime they want. <laughs> what do you think about that? So there's so much to get into. Um, even like, you know, preparing for this, I, I wrote, you know, some, some stuff that I wanted to touch on and, and it's tough because we could, you know, speak for hours and hours and hours on this because what, what rabbit hole do you, you know, do you want to go on? And, and, you know, your, your last two guests, had some really interesting points about some of their experiences, you know, about seeing code and, and about tapping in and um, yeah, it's some, it's some heavy stuff. So you had mentioned you broke through six or seven times in all of your times, correct? Yeah. I haven't done it as much as you, obviously. I never, I never manufactured it myself. I never synthesized it myself. So it was always at the mercy of the universe. Cause that's what I tell people. I'm like, DMT will find you. Now, of course you can be like you and, and, and take the initiative to make it, which I think is its own thing. And I encourage that um, because there is something about the relationship between these um, chemicals and plants and you and, and, and making them and knowing them. I agree with that 100%. But the people who aren't going to make that commitment I mean, me and you are out, out here on the ledge, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I've committed myself to this. I said, when I started doing floating, I said, everybody's going to think I'm a crackpot and a wacko. So I'm going to just dissolve 
the ego of who I was and become float universe. So I could just tell the truth about these things, good or bad. I, I'm not mm -hmm. here to be a proponent or against DMT. I just want to know the truth. And I have no financial incentive uh, only for me to know personally what I'm doing is good or bad. I need to know, is this a good thing? Am I sending people's soul to hell? Am I, or am I, you know, giving people an opportunity to fix themselves and, and correct their life and know God because the default of smoking DMT, if you're an atheist, is there's something beyond this realm, right? Potentially, right there. For, it's like Stanley Kubrick and The Shining. You know, I don't know if you ever heard this about Stanley Kubrick, but somebody was like, the ghost, Stanley Kubrick's like, ghosts prove that if, if ghosts are real, then it's saying that there's something beyond an atheist belief system. So just by having ghosts, or in your, in your case, smoking DMT, I feel like psychedelics show you that there's much more than you think there is, that this world isn't all solved and discovered, and there's mysteries yet to be uncovered. And so for me, that's why I'm still into it. That's why I still promote it. And, you know, travel with caution, do your set and setting, all the things you talk about in the book, by the way. And you do, you're pretty thorough. You don't really go into the dark side of DMT. But again, this is, um, I never really had a dark side. If, if, if I went on just my experiences alone, I only had maybe one or two slightly dark experiences and i felt like they were a reflection of my own inner being so i couldn't blame it on some external objective entity it's difficult to know what's going to happen when you go into these trips um i've never really had a quote-unquote bad trip and and i also want to say i've done ayahuasca probably two dozen times and that's a that's a kind of different that's a whole different thing so when i primarily i'm, I'm speaking about smoking it you know there are some times where and that we have discussion all the time with my friends. What do you call it? Is you, you if you say entities, if you say universal energy, is it is it God? Is it angels? And and it's tough, but it is something other than it is alien. It it is not something that our normal senses as a human picks up. And I think you mentioned something about that at the beginning about how DMT allows you to receive different information, or you know, it removes the filters from our senses to allow us to receive different information and that's exactly what i think it is i think it's the five uh senses unfiltered and, and that's why it's sometimes an amalgam of things you just can't even potentially even come close to comprehending because your sensor your sensor filters aren't on top of that uh, processing the information correctly no and then and those are your primary sensors right so what about the secondary what about the tertiary what about the like oh shit we really have like 50 different types of senses and you start getting you know these dmt to kind of remove that plaque buildup to remove whatever it is um, and that's something I, I think is, is really cool and unique about DMT is, you know, every experience for, for each individual is, is so uniquely different. And to your point about, you know, what type of mindset do you have? Uh, do you go in positive or negative? If you're going through, you know, a bad time in life, is that the time or is that not the time? You're going to get some crazy information and, and it's really just, you, you're going to be tapped into some information and, and know yourself in a way that you are 100% sure that there's something different. Um, I instantly became not afraid of death. I instantly became- Same, 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 dude, same. Like other people's opinions. I am so comfortable in my skin now because I've seen some shit that like, you know, once you you see it, like you can't unsee it. Same thing like to your point about ghosts. And, and I've, I've had some ghost experiences and it's kind of like, all right, if you believe this is true and if this happened, what the hell does that mean? Right. Well, it's, it's implication. Like, exactly. Implication is there's something else that we are just not privy to or have the senses to understand, but there's something else and we shouldn't be as naive to think that we understand everything. 
as each experience changes with the DMT session, something unique has kind of been happening in the past month or so. So like when I first started going in, it was you're exploring this new universe. So you're seeing and feeling things that you've never seen before. You're like, you know, you're getting answers to questions that you've always asked. And then, you know, I started kind of getting not cocky, but going in there and being like, all right, I want to know how the, the back of the house stuff is made. I want to know how the sausage is made. I really want to know these deep universal existential questions. And for months and months, I felt as though every time I was going into these sessions, I was coming out looking for something and getting information and coming back. The last couple of months, it's been a very unique situation where instead of me going out and seeking, I feel like I'm the one that's being seeked. Like I'm the one being explored. It's almost like my energy of vibration that's going out into this universal field is being picked up by these, these energies. And it's, it's, it's very invasive. It's not negative, but it, it's really like they're now starting to explore me. Like, who the hell is this human coming into this space all this time? And who the hell is he thinking that he can start demanding answers of the universe? And it's it's weird. Like, it, it's a completely different, like, it's an out-of-body experience where before it was in my body experiencing DMT and holy shit, there's a lot going on. Where now it's kind of like things are entering me and exploring me. And it's this cool symbiotic relationship where it's, it's an exchange of information like they're almost just as excited to see what's in my brain as i am to see what's in theirs well let me ask you this if that's i mean talk about sounding weird but it's it's well no it's not weird at all it's, i mean intense. anybody anybody that's in this world uh, more than a few years and understands the spiritual implications potentially of uh what they're messing with because again you not only do you become not an atheist but you believe uh, potentially that angels and demons are actual reality and uh you just for whatever reason weren't able to uh, you know, access their plane of existence because of your, your vibration, but DMT, whatever reason. And again, I I've seen this on, on, I've seen this on uh, LSD when I smoked weed three or four tabs on LSD and I smoked weed and it showed me that, uh, that, that maybe the first 15, 20 minutes of me smoking weed was opening up some kind of energetic portal and relative to the state I was in negative or positive, it was going to bring through some kind of angel, angelic or demonic thing. And, and, and it was showing me, it was like, look, even if you're not on LSD, every time you're smoking weed, you're kind of opening yourself up, uh, you know, at least for a little bit to um, interference. And so let me ask you this. I 100% have been possessed on, on substances, and some of them have been good, and some of them felt a little nefarious. Mm. When you're talking about these uh, DMT entities, consciousness, maybe trying to probe you back, do you feel like you've, uh, you know, like, how do you feel about possession and being used in a maybe a nefarious way? Do you feel like it's a positive thing or a negative thing that these things are kind of are trying to explore your end of the deal? I've never felt any aggression or negativity. It's just very invasive. You know what I mean? Like, like the thought is like, they're maybe using you to spread their message to bring more, whatever they're, Whatever their agenda is, I'm not going to say it's nefarious evil, but whatever the DMT realm's agenda is, maybe they're using you as a, as a conduit, you know what I mean? And me, by interviewing you and other people, which you're going to be interviewed with this book, all the people, a lot of people I know that I've talked to in, in my float universe world have uh, been interested in this book too. So how do you feel about that? Do you feel responsible? Do you feel like it's a good thing? Do you feel it's an, you know, like, how do you feel being potentially a conduit for DMT entities to enter into our material world? I think it's a it's a, going to be a very subjective process so i think dmt is going to affect each person the way it needs to um and this maybe kind of would be the time to touch on your last guest who you know the, the perspective from an educated person and i love how he was trained i think in engineering and then in sales and then went to seminary school 
you know, so obviously an educated person and coming from, from a bunch of different perspectives, but then kind of saying that it's, it's has this inherent evilness, um, because associated with religions and, and mass genocide and killings. And I think, unfortunately, the human species is just, is ugly and dark in a lot of ways. And that manis- manifests itself in a lot of atrocities. And, and I've studied history or human history as much as I can. And it's not DMT is evil. People can be evil. So, I mean, think about how many people he said, you know, like DMT has has been the cause of of, of death because of consuming it, where you could say how many millions of people have died because of love, because of greed, because of spices. You could say, you know, salt. How many people died because of salt, because of the trade routes? Or mm-hmm. it, it really is why are you using it? So in my case, I'm the type of guy that hugs everybody, loves everybody. All I want to do is spread good message and good energy. So I I personally, I don't feel as though I bear any responsibility to, to bring in negative. Now, I do say in my book, though, that this basically is rocket fuel, and it can either send the ship to out of space or can blow it up. Um, so it, it's not something that I would just say everybody should take. If anything, I would say a large majority, you know, probably more than half of the population probably shouldn't be taking it. Um, right. And it, I, 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 for a very specific reason and it has to be with the right intent. Specific now, intent. Yeah. To be like, oh yeah, I'm going to try to take over the world and watch that. Yep. I, I mean, absolutely. But you know, your analogy about using, you know, is a gun a tool or or is it not? You know, you could use anything as a weapon for destruction. For sure. Yeah. A gun is inherently so, just inert. It's just, it doesn't, it's not good or bad. It's the uh, intention of the user. I think the fact that DMT for me really signified that there is this universal connection that we are kind of all part of this, this one consciousness. And, and I think once you realize that, why would you ever kill a butterfly or, or, try to hurt something or why would you ever lie or deceive another person you're only doing it to yourself why would you ever hurt the planet that that's where you live yeah. like it becomes and that's why i said something in the book about like you know how we, how it's great for scientists it's it's great for artists it's it's great like i said using it in the bedroom unfortunately i don't think too many politicians have have explored it and i personally think that would be a wonderful thing because you realize that that it's not blue team, red team. You know, we, we really are on the same team. And I think it brings people together because it does show that there is this connective thread between us all. And that, I don't know, for me and, and my group of people, and, and granted, I, I've screened my inner circle pretty tight. Uh, DMT has only brought more love, only more understanding. Only, you know, every time you smell a cup of coffee, you appreciate it that much more. Every time you see a puppy you you laugh that much more every time you i mean it just it increases in my opinion everything uh, i agree it's been, that's that's been my personal experience with it that's why i've stayed with it and I, I just didn't immediately dismiss it as some kind of just you know worthless or demonic evil thing i think your best argument is this that dmt's and endogenous quality is what separates it from you know the other psychedelics you know it's in your brain and maybe it's what the dream state is maybe it's your death right I think that's the and best argument. started studying it too. Right? That that was, in my opinion, his what he stated was his differentiating, you know, aspect of it. Yeah, I think that's the best argument you have for DMT is it's like literally in everything alive, and it's in your brain. Well, I wanted to ask you this too because th- this was one of the the things that I was really a couple of things kind of blew my mind when I first started smoking it. So I had access to it for months prior to me actually doing it. Um, so the the day that I actually was like, all right, this is it. Uh, you know. I had the, the perfect setting. I had it as much really as I wanted. I, I was I was there really for a purpose. 
that first hit that I took, I was so, so one, it, it, you know, blew your mind. It was like, holy shit, what is this? And, and it instantly hits you. But I was amazed at the familiarity of the, the taste, the smell. Yeah. Like it felt so familiar and, and very, very comforting, even though every, my, all my, my mind just got completely blown, but it was so familiar. And, and I think that was the endogenous you know, aspect. You and mentioned then, it. You, you describe a distinct nasal cavity sensation combined with a soft palate reflex. Yeah, it's and, and familiar. Like it was something that I had almost done, whether in like a dream state or in a. I, it, dude, it was just a dude. Very, I think you're on, dude. I think you're onto something that you don't maybe even to know about, which is there's a, a supposedly an amaranth nectar that comes out of the back of your nose that you're supposed to be able to pull your tongue through your throat and be able to access naturally. Like uh, there's a, a this is nectar. If you look into this East Indian stuff. There's your, your, your pineal gland excretes, excretes this nectar. And if, and, and you're supposed to manipulate your tongue in a way back through your throat, up through your nasal cavity, where you can engage in this nectar. Have you ever heard of that before? I have not that, but I, I, I've tasted and smelled endogenous DMT created. Have you ever done like the, the breathing exercises where you, you kind of like, you go into like, it's like a meditative breathing. Like the Kundalini? Yeah, but specifically you know, there's several videos on it where, where it's, it's to get your brain functioning at a certain wavelength and, and to get the oxygen flowing. And, you know, I don't think there's one specific way to do it. It's kind um, of what I do in a float tank. You know, you lay there still in Epsom salts and you're, you're removed from as much uh, external stimulus as possible. And then in that state, somebody that's off the street can enter a yogic state that may be taking somebody 20 years in a cave to achieve. They can, they can get there naturally in an hour. That's the power of the float tank. And that's the, it sounds like the power of DMT. You get there instantly or, or very quickly. And and you, so the first time I did that, I was like, oh, I'm gonna, now that I've, I've smoked, you know, DMT by then, you know, dozens and dozens of times, I'm like, well, you know, are these people full of shit or is this really something that can happen? And I was amazed at once my body started getting into that vibratory state and you started getting like the goosebumps going through your body and you started mm -hmm. like, you know, your, your mind, your, your vision started kind of going a little bit wacky, but then to the taste DMT specifically in the back of my throat. And to know that that's what it was, you know, for somebody that had never smoked it before, they'd, they'd probably think, Hey, maybe this is this nasal stuff or, or like, what is this weird, you know, sensation. But after smoking as much as I did, I knew instantly what it was. It was like, no, no, this, this is your own body producing this. And it was, it was amazing. I really, I would love to get this research or somehow try to prove this where I fully believe that when you're about to like, reach orgasm or climax that your body is also kind of at that same vibratory state where there's been multiple times where, you know, me and my partner will reach that level and there's no DMT in the room. We hadn't smoked it in, in days or weeks and a very, very distinct smell and taste of DMT where it's like, well, where the hell did that come from? Well, you know, in my opinion, it's your body just whipped it up in this sexual frenzy for hours, you know, it's like that. And so it's this really cool chemical that you know, when you're do when you're getting that extraneous bump from from smoking it or drinking it, you're really just adding to your levels that you already have, and and mm -hmm. I think your body metabolizes it and, and absorbs it very naturally. Where, you know, like when you're doing shrooms, and and it's a good feeling. Obviously, you do shrooms to get that that buzz, but you you know very distinctly that you're being poisoned. Like you're like oh yeah, oh yeah, veins, and you're like oh shit. Like with LSD, it's like oh there is a chemical reaction happening, and it's happening fast. That, that, that's DMT, that yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm reverting back to my innate natural state where I can just be there.
that's dude that's one of my favorite things about dmt is the fact that you can go 10 minutes in a state of consciousness that is uncomprehendable uh, unbelievable amazing life-changing can rearrange your dna potentially i think that's happened to me and you can come back and it's like nothing happened right physically you feel like nothing's happened after about a minute or two and you're back to normal except for the fact that obviously like terence mckenna says your mind is gone right you you've death by astonishment is what's happening where, where, whereas an lsd you take three or four tabs and you're ringing like a bell the next day you know what i mean i don't mean i don't know about you but for me i'm ringing like a bell for at least a day or two mushrooms have got the afterglow but there's always a physical cost um for that wisdom for, for going up the mountain and getting the the information and dmt and, and i want to get into this you're your hour and a half experience with it where you did it you know what eight sessions and you finally broke through at the end to have this i'll let you i want to let you talk about it but you know one thing i want to ask you in all your dmp experiences i find obviously that you know you go to places and you maybe you've realized that the alex gray space is, a, is an actually an objective space like that was my first takeaway from dmt was wait a minute Alex Gray is painting from some kind of like objective space. It like it 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 exists and it maybe doesn't change, right? Did you ever get that experience where it's like, wait a minute, like you experienced what Alex Gray was experiencing and you understood exactly what his art was? Uh, yeah, that's why I reference him in my book several times. Um, amazing. It's it's that universal code. It, it's what your uh, the woman that you had on a, a couple podcasts ago was talking about how she sees code and and how it just kind of flows to her. It's that same. You know, Tibetan monks where they're doing all these beautiful mandalas and all this this crazy geometry. That is the exact same thing. And it's and it's coded information. And that's just, in my opinion, a physical representation of this vibrational energy. And it's like, yeah, it's there. I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, Terrence McKenna, two things I'll say about McKenna, besides what we've already talked about, which is he has basically maybe set the tone for the elves and for the chrysanthemum. Did you do you experience the chrysanthemum and the humming? Right? Do you experience the chrysanthemum before you enter the portal? As in the flower chrysanthemum? Right. Like D Terrence McKenna talks about the, the standard uh, trip being, you know, you take your three hits, you hold it in as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, you start to hear a hum, vibration, and then you'll see a, like a spinning mandala, aka the chrysanthemum. And then you're, you're, you're blasted off or you're denied, right? Have you ever experienced the chrysanthemum for the mandala? I probably wouldn't describe it as that. <laughs> okay. Um, each each time is so uniquely different. And and one of my buddies who just started doing it and, and maybe he's done it, you know, a, a couple dozen times, he kind of asks, he's like, you know, does it ever get any easier? Does it ever get where it just becomes normal? And I'm like, no. Like every time is time is different. Every time is like, oh shit. And honestly, every time I come out of it, I kind of tell myself, like, never again. What what is this? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, I've never come out of it like that. If anything, I I I'm I appreciate and respect the information that I was given. I feel honored that I was allowed into that space. Yeah. And I'm grateful if I have the opportunity to do it again. But no, it was, it was you know, how do you, do you ever get used to it? And then it's like, no. And and I, like, how do you explain to somebody that's interested in doing it, what that experience is going to be? Other than it's going to blow your fucking mind. You are going to be thinking you're, you're dying by astonishment. And there's going to be it's going to, you're going to come back and everything is going to be rearranged in your life. So to try to put that in words, and, and even, you know, you say about the, the book being concise, the way my mind works, I could have wrote a 3000 page book and it wouldn't have done any better than a 10 page summary of it because it's, you can't explain it. You, you really just have to experience it. You know, that's the opposite. That's the, that's the difference between you and DMT researcher. We got 900 pages and, and three books now and you've got a hundred pages here, which is, it, it's basically the same thing which is, I mean, he, he, he attempts to answer it a little bit more than you do, 
Um, I appreciate the mystery and I, I've kind of, in all my psychedelic research and all my spiritual stuff, I've come to be content with not knowing, you know, like I won't know everything and some things aren't meant for the human mind. It's like a termite trying to understand a human and then a human trying to understand God. It's just, you know, like there's just levels that we're just never going to get to in this state. And maybe DMT can provide us that. One thing I wanted to ask you was, uh, oh, go ahead. Well, because I don't want to lose this thought because th that's sure, sure. Really important because that was my breakthrough epiphany, so to speak. So you mentioned that the first time I did it, I, you know, it was about an hour and a half. So, and, and I really, I wouldn't recommend that. Well, you were like, you were like challenging it too, though. You, you kept at the, towards the end, you were like challenging the experience. You're almost, and, and again, and, and I've talked to so many people that have done DMT and I'll tell you, you're brave because I'm pretty ballsy when it comes to these things, but it got to a point where it showed me something because of my weed smoking and it, that I needed to dress where it's like, it was horrifying. And I'm like, you know what? I'm good on this shit. Uh, it, 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 like I said, it kind of regulates itself through the horror show of, you know, it's trying to, I feel like it's trying to help you. And if you're not trying to help yourself, it's like you're, den you're denied entry or you showed something, you know, potentially horrible to, to, you know, scare you straight. So yeah, I've always, I, I had, to, I had to prove myself. I, I really feel as though, and, and, you know, I was, I went there with an intention of, of not tripping to see fun things, not going to have a good time. I, I needed to reset my life. I mean, mm -hmm. it, and I had nothing to lose and it was, listen, if I don't get my shit right, I'm, I'm not going to be in this planet anymore. So I, I and, and I've, I, I'm not on any prescription drugs. I said, I, I don't drink anymore. I, I'm, I'm, I didn't want to just go that route of the normal medicated zombie that there's so many in the society where just put your shit behind. Mm -hmm. So when I did the DMT session, it, it was, yeah, I don't want to just see kaleidoscopic colors. I got to figure my own shit out. Yeah. So, you're seeking healing. You know, the, the first time really cool blew your mind, but it didn't really get any answers. Second time it's like, all right, again, feeling really. But let me amazing. reiterate here, though. You're doing not only not only you're doing it multiple sessions in this hour and a half. You're doing set six, seven hits, hard hits at a time. Yeah, it was like fifty hits that first hour and a half. And, and I say that as I, I laugh. It, it's not something to brag about. But now that I know how strong that the molecule is, it is kind of like holy shit, what were you doing? Yeah, and man. that's where I have <laughs> my friend. So in the back, there's some words by Shaman Sean. So he was my buddy that was there, and and really gave me the, the love and the comfort and, and the, the space to do what I needed to do. And, and I just, I needed, I needed answers. I needed answers. So the, I think it was the, the ninth time, right? So this is now an hour and a half into it. And I was, I was really punch drunk, but I, I was still was like, what the fuck? I'm, I'm going to just leave here. And all I did was just fry my brain. So that last time I really just was like, please, please give me the answer. So my entire life, I had always tried to connect all these proverbial dots. So in my consciousness, I had say, you know, 10,000 dots that I was trying to connect in my life and all these synchronicities and how does everything fit together? And this particular DMT session was so different. So the humming stopped, the sight stopped, everything became still, all of the craziness that we keep describing about all this sensory overload, it became, it all just stopped and everything just became quiet. And then whatever energy communicated and it wasn't through sound it wasn't through it, it was just it communicated to me all right asshole you want to connect these ten thousand dots boom here you go we just connected them all and then that got brushed away and i was like haha watch this there's a million dots then put all those million dots in front of me i was like you want to we want to solve all those watch this boom connected all of those and then it was just like you stupid fucking human watch this and then it was billions and billions and you know it was like trying to connect all the, the grains of sand on a beach and, and and i came out of that with you're going to waste all of your, your mental and physical energy. You're going to waste this beautiful brain and body of yours spinning your wheels, trying to connect these proverbial mental dots of all of your past and future issues, as opposed to just being mindfully present. 
And beautiful, beautiful. Wow. In a crumpled mess, crying on the floor and, and full of huge, and I say this in the book as well, huge tears of gratitude. I wasn't scared. I wasn't defeated. I wasn't like, oh my God, helpless. What am I going to do? I was so freaking grateful that I didn't have to look under that that rug anymore. I knew what was there. I, I didn't have to, un, you know, what may be around that corner. Nope. I looked, I saw it. Now I can put it in the right compartment in my brain and now I can move the hell on. And literally that day I walked out of there and not to say I don't have personal stresses and there are bad days and there are days when, you know, like, yeah, it sucks and it's not everything's going to go easy. But man, every night I go to bed and I say my prayers of gratitude and I literally have tears run down my face about how lucky I am. And every morning I wake up and I'm so excited to start the day and just what synchronicities am I going to come across? What is the universe going to show me today? As opposed to being so much worried about my past and my, and my future. And now mm-hmm. I just live peacefully and so contently in the, in the mindful present. And I'd say that's really the biggest thing that DMT allows you to do because it, it wipes every other thing off the plate. Like nothing else matters unless your mind is calm. Oh, 100%. That's why I promote the flow. All right. So we're going to take a little break right now with Adam, and we're going to go to a, a song of his choice over the break, and we'll see you on the other side. Of similar experience to use i didn't i didn't do it obviously 50 million times i didn't have that much access i was at the i was riding this wave of i, I feel like there's a certain psychedelic understanding that you that you get at a certain point no matter the psychedelic if you really get it if you've really done the work like i said my my experience was that it solved my personal dilemma which i, I think the beauty of dmt is it really does personalize how it can help you so it, it finds the crack in your proverbial dance, yes okay the way it needs to and in each individual will have a completely different experience but it will heal or or maybe not heal it'll shine light guide yes that you really need to shine the light then it's up to you to do the work now i now remember okay so i totally agree with that and which is why i have a hard time with the evil aspect of it but i can also appreciate that maybe at a certain point in history that you know masses of people were unconscious to um you know conning entities or entities that were pulling a lawn con i'm going to help you now but i'm going to use you later but i'm not going to talk about this that just yet i want to talk about 
just like you said, I had an experience where, again, I didn't do it as many times as you did, but I had this, you know, three or four times of this ineffable kaleidoscope, uh, you know, colors I've never seen before, shapes I don't understand. And then when I really understood what it was trying to tell me to do, it was like, hey, go out in the world and like, really try to figure out what's wrong with your life and then come back to us when you're ready. Or actually DMT told me, it's like, we're going to come back to you when you're ready. I got, and I, I got goosebumps saying that. So, I was, I literally just going to say, I just got goosebumps you saying that too. It, it is amazing because it's so freaking true. And so I did, I went and I did, I went floating and did whatever work. I sought God. I sought answers, I sought truth. I sought a you know, wholesome, healthy living. And sure enough, DMT reappeared. And then like you, uh, you know, keep, you kept punching at it during this session, but you know, this was me coming back to it, expecting the same kind of thing you were expecting over and over again. But no, this last time it was like, you, you did the work. We're proud of you. Congratulations. It was like, I was in this uh, giant empty room with a spotlight on me. And this is me vaping DMT on MDMA. I think that helped it too. Like me being in a loving state. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I was never able to re recreate this under the similar conditions. I tried many times to recreate this. I never could, which is the beautiful thing about psychedelics and DMT is it's, you know, you're, it's like um, the, the quote, you can, uh, you know, go, you, you can never go through the same river twice. Neither you or the river are ever the same. And, and I feel like that's totally true with psychedelics. Your psyche is never going to be the same. And so I got this experience where the DMT congratulated me for understanding and healing what was wrong up to that point. And it basically, I was in this like courtroom with a light on me and it melted me down and like rearranged my DNA. And I was set back out into the world to go free and promote. And, and I, and then for a while I was, I was like a big proponent of it. And I still am, but I've had people come to me and they're like, look, I smoked DMT and I literally, it didn't have anything psychedelic, but I died. It was like, they, it was like they smoked DMT and then they died and they went through the, the death experience. Right. And then they came back and they realized that, you know, they, they conquered the fear of death because DMT, they didn't experience the psychedelic aspect, the geometry, the entities. They literally smoked DMT and it killed them and they died. And they went through what happens when you die. And then they came back when the trip was over. Their trip was death. Did you ever experience that? I didn't, but one of my closest friends, uh, that did happen. And, and maybe experience death. Yes, that's part of it. But once again, the, the, the positive twist on that is appreciate life. Exactly. So this yeah. guy came out and has been a better husband, has been a better dad, has been a bit like it's just you you have that experience where you're shown the alternative. Um once again, you come back different. And in, in, th in that particular case, he said that he thought he was in basically like this hell jail, but it was actually his car. And he thought he was there for about five years, is how he you know, my understanding was his story. So it was a very prolonged time. And he saw his family and loved ones looking down at him, basically crying at his dead body, being like, you know, pissed at him. Like, how, how could you do this? So when he came back from it and realized that those family, you know, they were there, they were alive, he was alive, and that he still had their love, it changed his whole perspective. Mm -hmm. and, and he's, once it, to say you're a proponent of DMT, that, that's a tough thing to say. It, it's more you're a proponent of trying to, hold up that mirror to yourself, trying to achieve that self-actualization where you're not, you're not just caught up in the daily grind. And well, let me, well, let me ask you this with a Butler's DMT field guy. Would you say that you're a proponent of DMT or no? I'm a proponent if the intent is right. Yeah. And, and I, maybe that that's what your last guest was, was trying to, you know, like 
Could, could you have a bunch of nasty people trying to use this to manipulate a whole swath of people for negative? Absolutely. Could it could it turn somebody batshit crazy where they then go off and hurt themselves to hurt other people? The answer is yes. Um, but being somebody that used to drink as much alcohol as I did, I am, I am way more concerned about people running around on alcohol. Yeah. I am way more concerned about people overdosing on fentanyl. I'm way more, un unfortunately, like a lot of people that I know and, and, and family members, just douse it with prescription pills and then top that with alcohol and then say, Oh no, like Adam, you're the druggie. <laughs> oh, totally. I'm, I'm doing. And, and on that point too, you, you talk about, you know, most people don't, don't synthesize it. Um, I've brewed beer before and I've grown marijuana before Just, extracting DMT is easier than both. I mean, it is literally, it, it is, you buy it as a mulch. I mean, it looks exactly like yard mulch. It's, it's chipped up pieces of wood bark. And you, and it's an extraction process. There's no fermentation. There's no molecular change. There's no, it's not complex chemistry at all. I mean, you literally boil a root and then there's, there's your product. Um, that's, a, that's another thing I wanted to get into, which is for those that are wondering, this is not only his personal story, but this is literally a step-by-step -step recipe for not only uh, an ayahuasca type brew, but also the crystallized NNDMT. Yeah, and I felt comfortable putting it out there only because it's such common knowledge. And I say common, if you're looking for it, like th these are not my personal recipes. This isn't like, hey, I worked on a bunch of different, this is, I follow exactly what you can find on 10 websites online. You can, you know, it, it's, it really is just, why are we covering this up? Or, or not why? I mean, there are several books written prior to me and, and there are several you know, influential people that are out there spreading this message. So it's not any, none of my information is novel. Um, it's just all out there and easy, but well, your, your, your personal story is novel, but um, as far as like access to it and how to make it, right. Um, right. You know, it, it's, I, I don't have some secret recipe and, and I joke in, in the book calling it, you know, grandma's recipe where it really is just some handed down thing that, that works. And, and it, when, it, and being, I guess, academically trained or trained as a scientist, so to speak, to, to understand what you're doing chemically and to understand that you're just isolating a free base molecule in its purest form and understand the process of how that happens. It's, it's, it's a very easy step one leads to step two, step two to step three, step four to step five. And then there it is. And it's like, you know, $150 worth of product could last somebody years. I mean, it's, it's really like, I, and I, once again, I, I be careful, I guess, on what I share, but it's like literally, you know, one batch for a little short, short change is really all you need for you and a long, yeah. you and a group of friends for a long amount of time, because you only need such a small amount every time. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's yeah. You, 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 I like the peppercorn analogy, you know, like the little peppercorn balls. That's a, you know, a good way to put it. You talk about this, the, the dosage and. Well, and, and that's, you know, there are several ways of, of dosing it as well. And, and, you know, a lot of the talk about like shrooms and ketamine, um, you know, and treatments for, for PTSD and things like that. They talk a lot about microdosing. Um, you can, I guess, microdose DMT. There are ways of, of doing it, knowing, though, that, if, you know, if you take one good pull, you, you are going to certainly feel it. But there is, you know, so you can s smoke it just putting on top of marijuana or tobacco and just put it in a pipe. But then, you know, a lot of people make vape cartridges out of it so with the vape cartridge you can make it you know 100 dmt and just have a cart full of dmt and you just kind of have to melt it prior but you can cut that with you know vape oil and kind of make it so you just kind of have this relatively mild application of dmt so you know it, it can be used for 
therapeutic purposes as well. And, and I think that's where there's a lot of this extended state DMT research going on where, you know, what, what benefits can you get by not necessarily going fully into it, but kind of just, you know, that's, I, I kind of done that with the pen, you know, pen's probably the best way to do that. Uh, the vape pen is the best way to uh, microdose DMT, take a little hit. Because, you know, depending on your mixture, depending on you know, the heat of your uh, pen and your, you know, how willing you are to take a, a actual pull. I've had, uh, I, I've tried to break through and the pen was just bunk, but it did, but it did give me like a microdose. I could hear like, uh, you know, I could feel like I could, I could hear the voices from the realm and I could just a, just a, just a very slight uh, overlay of that landscape with eyes open in the material world. So I, I would recommend in my personal experience, the pen is probably the best way, but here's another interesting thing you talk about. And I think this is wild. Uh, you make a, like an ayahuasca brew and then you put it in your coffee. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. <laughs> so it was, so I made my ayahuasca brew. So that's even simpler. I mean, that's theoretically just two, two plants and you, and you boil them together. Um, but really it can be the DMT based material. And then you can use several other, other materials to, to get the effect that you need. Um, so I made, I made it straight up, you know, so, so you had your, your big sessions where you drink a couple cups and you'd last six, seven, eight hours, but then it was a matter of, well, what do I do with all this extra ayahuasca? And I, I started kind of like dosing it in. Um, and actually me and my father took a road trip out to, to Kansas city and I, I brought some and. I was drinking it, sitting alongside him, like just driving, you know, I, I had half coffee, half ayahuasca and I, I obviously wouldn't be driving, but I could sit passenger and, and still be cohesive or coherent. Um, you know, so I used it to kind of like just float around and, and granted too, I, like I said, I took 13 months off of working. Uh, so I, I literally was able just to float around the country and, and I went almost every state, you know, I visited all these beautiful national parks. So I was kind of walking around in this state of like, whatever, I'm just going to be in this elated bliss. But I know I couldn't just be a full, full blown ayahuasca trip. So I would basically just microdose it. Um, I would do like, you know, you could make like an ice cream float out of it, pour espresso on it and do like affogato. And, you know, I mean, just make kind of have fun with it. And I guess that's the point is it doesn't have to be this. Right. Like, knowledge done behind closed doors where you need to be initiated into a group. It's like, no, man, it's, it's a plant. Like it's 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 like brewing tea or coffee and drink it with respect but you know somebody that doesn't have caffeine if they drink two or three cups of coffee they're going to be off the wall so you got you got to respect what you're putting in your body but that's another thing you talk about too i find interesting you warn people like coming out of a dmt trip don't drink too much uh, don't drink cold water you know be your body's going to be extra <laughs> sensitive you know you really you provide tips for people that i didn't even think of because i wasn't reaching for a glass of ice water after my DMT trip. But what if I did, you know, like, don't do that, you know? So you do provide lots of good information for people who have not gone down this road at all, are just hearing this for the first time and open to the possibility. Cause it sounds like me and you both had midlife crises. Yeah. And I, so yes, I'd say that's an understatement. I mean, I, I, I was done. I was mm -hmm. ready to, to and, and it wasn't even so much with my inner turmoil as, as much as I was just done with society. I, I, I was just, I thought humans were, were ugly. Um, yeah, totally. There, there's a better way. And, and like I said, the, the, the take home is, is really just to be mindful and present and not to get caught up and, and look for an external answer to your internal problems. And, and DMT really holds that mirror and it allows you to, to, to give that insight. Um, now, I agree. Now, oh, go ahead. 
one of the things that happened too is as you start getting, you know, I don't want to say cocky, but you, all right, I'm starting to figure this out. I'm starting to figure this out. I did a, a shroom session a couple months back where I kind of had that smug smirk smacked off my face, thinking I'm, you know, I'm this psychonaut now, right? I'm, I'm writing a book on DMT. I'm, You're the I'm man. Gonna, I'm going to be this resource. And it was just like, yeah, right. I got, I, in my dream, you know, once again, trying to figure out this maze, trying to figure out this life. And I realized that if you are part of this universal source, if, if you are truly one, if, if there is this bigger kind of energy that you're part of and, and you're kind of controlling this matrix game, so to speak, like you and I each created our own personal maze. You and I each created our own personal game. Like we, we put the booby traps there. We put the rewards there. Um, you know, and, and in most games, when you come across an enemy at the end of the level, or if you come across, you know, some adversary, that means you're on the right path and you're, and you're heading towards the right, the right area. And just, you're not, it's not a matter of winning the game. It's about playing the game. And, and it, so many people try to spend so much time trying to, to win. And it's, that's not what this life is about because you can't win. You really just have to enjoy it and, and, and just, well, yeah, there's nothing to do and nowhere to go ultimately. So the ego pursuit is ultimately a, uh, it's a, you know, doesn't lead to much. It's temporary satisfaction and usually leads to more cravings. Yeah, it's 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 unsustainable. We're we're now, you know, so you know, saying that that I was able to take all that time off. So now I'm 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 broke. You know, I just pissed through seventy, eighty grand. Uh, you know, I I lost that job because I threatened to kill one of the partners. I'm, you know, like it, it comes with some some repercussions. But now at I feel so honored and blessed that at 42 years old, I learned these lessons now where I can forgive the people that I thought did me wrong because I honestly was the one that did them wrong. And, and now I know that, and I guess one thing too, that, that DMT allows is the ability to really appreciate synchronicities. So oh, yeah, it's amazing where, you know, to the person I, that's blinded to it. So I, I mentioned how I um, studied entomology. So when I walk through the woods, I'll find a hundred insects that no one would even know that they're there. It's just, you know, my, my mind is tuned into it. So I'll, I'll, I'll just from the sound of their wings, I'll know, is that a beetle? Is that this, is that because you're trained in it? When you start being trained in the synchronicities of life, when you start being trained in, wow, this is a universal sign from some sort of intelligence and, and, and you don't question it. Like once you, I guess, and that's what DMT allows you to do. Once you've made that mental leap that yes, there is something greater than I, and, and it does give you signs like how do you not wake up every day excited to look for those signs knowing that some of them are going to hurt you in the, the yes proverbial kicks in the dick but man like it's it's your game you know you you created this. i couldn't agree more and and here's my thoughts on synchronicity i spent years studying synchronicity because it was the most mind-blowing thing that proved that reality wasn't thought what i thought it was um and what i understood ultimately was like psychedelics can be a reset. Any anything can ultimately be a reset. God's grace, you know, a miracle. But um, the more in tuned you are to your path, the closer you are. I call it God's path for you, right? You know, you can choose a po. I don't know if you believe in free will or not. We can get in that in a minute. But let's assume we have free will, and there's God's path for you, and then there's whatever your ego wants to do, whatever you choose to do uh, with your free will. Now. I've come to understand the closer you are to serving God's true will for your life, the more synchronicities appear. The more you deviate, the more you become unconscious, the less it becomes apparent. Meaning my life reached a point 
where it was like, I'm on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disney, right? But I know the pirates are all fake and it's a ride and I'm having a good time. I know it's going to end. And everybody else next to me, they're unconscious and they assume that this is all real. They're going to get killed, raped, uh, uh, murdered, uh, plundered. Pirates are going to get them. It's, it's a real thing. So it, it, it showed me that reality wasn't what I thought it was. And the closer I was to God's plan for me, the more synchronicities I would experience showing me that I was in tune with what the universe God wanted me to do. That's my understanding of it. And as I re-enter this psychedelic spiritual realm, which I kind of exited over the past two years to kind of just reconcile what I'd experienced, that I that again appears to be the case that as I you know engage with you or anybody else in terms of trying to find the truth of why I'm here, what are these things? Are they good? Are they bad? God is pulling me in a direction where I experience these synchronicities at a higher level. So that was my understanding. Um, I think ultimately synchronicity is a manifest manifestation of your mind and the reality that you're creating that all the time I spent in the float tank led me to one massive conclusion, which was reality is created downstream from the mind. So the mind is like the, the ground zero of reality creation in the material world. And that includes the unconscious stuff. And really the only way we can access, access, I think, unconscious stuff is through dream, dream work and psychedelics and then meditation. And a lot of people are either too engaged in the material world, they're overwhelmed with their life, they don't have access to the tools, or they're too afraid via their own judgment, via their spiritual belief system to engage in these things. And so they stay trapped in the material world and their pain and suffering. That's just my opinion. I'm not saying I have a definitive answer, which is why I continue to ask you and everybody else, what do you think this is? What was your experience? And that's why, honestly, like you're one of the most honest people. And that's why I think we find a hard time finding people. And you talk about this in the book to spread the message of these things is people aren't willing to stand up and talk about basically stuff that could be considered, uh, you know, like, woo, uh, you know, uh, crazy. Uh, you can't quantify it. Yeah, drugs are illegal. You know, there's a reason for that. You know, so I applaud the fact that you have not only sacrificed your uh, material lifestyle and reality to yielding to a you know these substances, but then having the courage not only to keep punching it in the face, but then to tell me about through your book and express to the world your experience because that takes a lot of um, guts. Knowing that now, Adam Butler, and I was going to ask you this. Do you feel like you have a target on your back now that you're public with these things? I haven't felt it yet. Um, I've only gotten support. And, you know, and, and this is where, too, I, I, I stand on what I've done. So I've I've never sold any DMT. I've never made any money off DMT. I've never I'm not promote, like I'm not doing anything other than compiling information and presenting it and, and then attaching my personal story to it. So am I concerned yet? <laughs> Actually, I'm willing, I'm very comfortable in the words that come out of my mouth and whether they're in front of you, whether they're in front of God, whether they're in front of a court, um, I stand on what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, my plant-based medicine saved my lives. I, I personally love several men and women that I know that it helped save their lives. And it's not some dirty doc thing. Now, could it be? Yep. Like, could you, you know, this stuff is, is you could probably sell it for, you know, I don't know what the actual street value is. I've never tried to sell it, but I'm sure you could get pretty good money for it. So oh, yeah. you know, is that so what somebody could do? Yep. But, but that's not what I'm doing. So, you know, I'm, and, and I don't really travel with it. I, I keep it very close and tight. I, 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 you know, I try to do the things that if I was put in front of 
law enforcement, I, I would be able to talk to them, hopefully man to man or man to woman and, and state my case and be like, listen, <laughs> the alternative is, is I go smash my head into a wall. Um, Mm-hmm. Or or I drink some tea made out of plant bark. Like really, uh, you know, it's just to me. Well, that's, old- that's kind of where I was at with my bottom end. I'm like, you know what? I don't care if these things give me more brain damage than I potentially already have. I'm gonna risk um, trying these things to heal myself because I've reached my wit's end. And it, I've gotten a lot of confidence too. And that the, you know, the last kind of chapter that I wrote in the book was the the love thy neighbor and. Through all of this, you know, I went into this, into the desert, so to speak, to kill myself with such a, a hatred towards humanity. And I came out of it after, after literally hugging and kissing strangers, homeless people on the streets, sharing stories. Um, it, it, it really opened my eyes that we do need to lean on one another. And it, it's the more I showed. So prior to this happening, I always tried to put on this facade of, you know, successful person whether it be the house the cars that the pretty women the vacations all of that and and it's meaningless where now it really is just how do you connect with other people and and when once i started sharing my raw stories and and once again how flawed i was but also how excited i was to work on my growth it opened up so many conversations and i I think dmt is is going to be a big part of my story but i'd like to to think that mental health advocacy and and being a good listener and helping people through their narrative, knowing that my answer probably for most people would be, no, I don't think DMT is good for you. I, I don't think you should do it. Or right now is not the time. And to your point earlier, when it calls for you, that will be the time. And and I've said that to several of my friends being like, listen, if and when you ever want it, it's here. And you, it, it's here, it's here, it's for free. And But please do not just do it because you read my book or because you heard a, a podcast. Like, you, you, you really have to approach this with the seriousness that it, that it deserves. Um, oh, yeah. So I think as long as I speak intelligently and, and, and I don't sensationalize it and I don't try to say that it's for everybody, hopefully people will understand that I'm coming from it from a, I don't know, at least a, a perspective that holds some sort of value to somebody. Well, you know, the, I think the only thing that matters in the end is if you're being honest or not. And it doesn't matter if you're being like, for example, let's say a DMT gesture is like literally tricking you and doing a long con on you. You're not coming in with that intention to be, you know, you know, helping the devil pull through a portal, you're trying to heal your life and be a better person for everybody around you. So I believe that at the highest level of being, God understands your intent, right? It's all about what's in your heart and you're being, you're just being honest and you're, you're, you were in pain and you were suffering. I was too. I was searching for answers. This was a possibility and I was willing to risk the social, you know, kick me out of social circles, lose jobs, I was at a point where it didn't matter to me. I needed to fix my life and I wanted to not spend the rest of my, rest of my existence miserable. And I also had pain too. I had one of my, one of my big draws to this was I, I, I didn't have, I had a lot of the things you had going on where I lost a lot of my prestige, but my main thing was I was in extreme physical pain and I was trying to ask God, first of all, is this possible? Is a miracle possible? And if how so? And, and it led me down this road ultimately to DMT. And it asked me to say, there's a spiritual solution to every problem. And once you untie that spiritual knot, everything else in the material realm will, you know, uh, start to heal itself. But you have to, like I said, the mind and the spiritual stuff, the reality is created upstream there. And that spiritual mental connection and a lot of its unconsciousness, a lot of it's untapped. And so the psychedelics, the dream work, the breathing, I had an experience where a guy, uh, where I was deep into my DMT promotion and I was helping people out when I was photographing yoga classes on the beach and stuff. And I had a guy come off the glass, a white guy in a turban. 
And I started talking to this guy and I'm like, dude, you should try DMT. You know, you ever heard of it? He's like, bro, he's like, you can have DMT every day if you do the Kundalini exercises I do. And so for me, it's been this pursuit now of like, you know, let's see if these guys are right. Let's see, you know, Terrence McKenna gives DMT to a, a Buddhist monk and he says, this, these are the outer lights, right? Of the bardo. This is as far as you can get without dying, apparently, is what the Buddhist monk said to Terrence McKenna. So I'm trying to access, yeah, if DMT is endogenous, can I tap into it? Can I, can I dream walk? Can I um, heal my life without drugs? But I still am the proponent because the options on the table that are legal, that are pushed by society, are usually not really good. I think some of these things that the pharmaceutical industry offers are potential like steps in the right direction but if you're not careful it's a pit it's a giant pit of, of hell of you know addiction to pharmaceutical uppers and downers and everything in between so that's why i'm a proponent of these things but again you know I, then i hear let me i wanted to get into this with you like with and, and i know you talked about this in the book which is you know i wish politicians would do this but here's my argument i get this argument from a lot of people too this isn't just mine because I used to believe like you that, man, if everybody did psychedelics, the world would be a better place. But what do you say about like the Alex Jones? What, you've got a few people in the mainstream media that are proponents or opponents of DMT. You've got Joe Rogan, Alex Jones, Terrence McKenna, just to name a few. Now, Alex Jones comes as an opponent of DMT, saying that the elites are using DMT in extended sessions to contact you know, you know, extra dimensional beings, which are having a, a, a negative influence on our society. What do you think about that? Uh, I don't agree with it. <laughs> right. I think, you you know, you think he's trying being... to say something to sell something as opposed to somebody trying to say something like a Terrence McKenna, that's really trying to elucidate what really can't be, you know, how to, right. Yes. You know, and this is also one of those things too, where when you're talking about something like this, that really can't be validated through like, you, you know, if you told me you saw, spoke with God, I, I guess I kind of have to believe you. So, you know, it's, it's easy for people just to go down these holes and be like, oh yeah, this is what can happen. But bad people are going to do bad stuff. And, and if anything, I, I would counteract that to be like, you know what, put, put 10 people with DMT with good intentions against 10 people with bad intentions on DMT. I'll, I'll be on the side of the good and I think we'll squash them. And, and I had, you know, something similar to that in one of my, my sessions where I felt as though I had this really darker kind of bad energy and, and it was, you know, so I'm in the middle of the state and I kind of laughed it off and I was just like, no, like not happening. Like get the hell away from my, my space. Like I, I'm in here, you know, exploring this universe and, and you think you're going to come and attach to me. And, and I felt, I don't know if that maybe gave me undue confidence, but I feel very comfortable that, the people with the positive intentions can also use it for for the same amount of good, just like like any tool or any vehicle or any even just philosophy. I mean, thoughts can be just as dangerous as as actual things. So it's all with the intention. I, I think everybody that I've come across that has done it has felt a connection to other people in a much more innate and, and fulfilling way. I think there's this connection to universal source, like you had mentioned you know, closer to that path to God. So your definition to God is going to be different from most people's. But but I agree with that statement in, in, in whole because you're part of that same universal source and energy. And it, it's there are going to be some self-destructive aspects to it. 
but all in all, uh, I, I think it's more of a positive energy. I, I think it's more of a an expansion. Now, you know, you talk about how everything's kind of downstream from from the mind. Um, I mentioned also how you know studying science, but as well as studying religions, I studied a lot of like the Hermetic information and like the the Emerald Tablet and the Kabbalion and stuff like that, and and that's supposedly one of the the oldest pieces of information. And that, you know, the first principle of that is principle of mentalism. And, and you go down like those seven principles and it's all the most basic stuff. And every one of those principles, I, I think, in a DMT session get very explicitly proven. Mm-hmm. That yes, all of these, you know, the law of vibration, the law of correspondence, the law of polarity. You know, if, if you come out of a DMT session and, and you don't think that everything is vibration and everything is mental, then <laughs> well, that's know. the thing, man. Like DMT. Exactly. I mean, the the big takeaway from constant psychedelic use, float floating in in is that we're in some kind of dream that perpetuates itself every day. Like, you know, you dream at night and it kind of just disappears, but we keep waking up in this same dream. And there's as much as there's a physical material aspect to it, it like for example, I always point to miracles. A miracle doesn't have any kind of like mechanism behind it that we can quantify and prove and talk about it just happens like something can completely change that you didn't expect so if that's the case that's possible at every second it's not just that a miracle just happens and it's not possible again to ever happen miracles are constantly at your fingertips it's just tuning into them exactly i think that it's a dream it's malleable it's based on your consciousness and your mind it's an amalgam of your conscious consciousness like and i don't know if you believe in reincarnation and your past lives but i do think that some of that may perpetuate and continue into to your current existence do you believe in reincarnation like what do you what do you think about god in the afterlife so it's changed over the years and and i don't want to say that i'm some scholar of religions but i was raised the catholic i i think that's probably the religion that i least resonate with uh, but I've studied Hinduism, I've studied Buddhism, um, Taoism, you know, atheism, basically trying to to come up with some universal thread. And I, I think there there is a there is a higher source, there is a higher being, there is there is some sort of conscious energy that 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 is there that's overarching. Um, as far as like, do you think it's you? Atomic recycling. I, I I really feel as though energy cannot be broken down i feel as like the the ripple effect of your vibrations are indefinite in both ways and in, in that yeah that's why i'm not afraid of death like i i really it's just my my energy will manifest in another form now i don't know if that's another human form if that's right the yeah, energy's that's never a lost being or a lesser being but i know my my consciousness and because i've seen it I've, I've seen what my consciousness looks disassociated from my physical body and it, and it has nothing to do with my body mm-hmm. and and i'm once again, it, to to say this, people that experience it are gonna be like, oh yeah, I agree. People that haven't done it, they're gonna be like, this guy's a whack job and he's lost his mind. Um, I, I'm very comfortable knowing that I am way greater than just this mass of flesh and bone. Um, and you know, I I kind of hope for that prior to DMT. Now I fully know it, and and maybe I'm a fool for that, but you know what? Let me let me ask you this. <laughs> This is an interesting concept I've kind of been throwing around quite a bit lately, which is, okay, let's assume we're in a dream. Life is a dream. We're in a dream. And so when you take psychedelics, you're just having a dream within a dream. Have you ever considered that? 
that there's no there's no exit to psychedelics. I mean, they, they do give us obviously information within our dream that makes our dream better, right? Our human existence. But I, I, I'm, I'm really speaking more to the aspect of like using drugs as showing us like this is what's on the afterlife. This is outside of samsara or life. Like this is what happens when we die. This is or, the matrix. <laughs> right. So do you think that psychedelics, maybe acid, maybe DMT are showing us um, that this is what's on the other side of the human experience or that we are in a dream and the psychedelics are taking us deeper within the dream? Like you're in a dream and you're smoking weed, right? Or you're high in your dream, but you're not, when you wake up, you're not high. You just dreamt that you were smoking weed. I think that the dream state and the lucid dream state and, and that, that meditative state or the DMT state, you know, all of these different vibrational wavelengths of, of how your brain can operate somehow allow you to see the bigger picture. Now, whether that be, like I said, the, the matrix or, or some, you know, are we just in some game or is this just a dream of a dream? I'm not, I'm not sure, but I know when you do DMT, it lessens that veil. Like it, it allows. That's what it, I think it, too. It but allows it, like in, instead of having a definitive line, like if you have water and oil sitting on one of the, there's a clear line between oil and water. Mm-hmm. The DMT allows that to just completely disintegrate that boundary. And, and that's, you know, that that's like seeing that ghost. So if you see a ghost, how do you, how do you, how do you even put that into words? And what does that mean? Once you realize that you're somehow, and, and I, I think that's where synchronicities really come to play, where just the mathematical probability of these events happening, and, and that's that was you know Jung's whole argument is that it's way beyond mathematical probability, and and you know the, the event in itself may be completely insignificant, but you when you combine it with one, two, three, four, five, seven different things, and you have this factor multiplication happening. I don't yeah. know if you how, how do you describe it. Yeah, and, and you, you, you there, can't. Maybe it's a stupid example, but it's one of those like, holy shit, we both got goosebumps. I was in the hospital waiting room the other day with my girlfriend, and a mother walked in with her son, and his name was his first name was Ben, and his last name was Riggs. So she comes in and says, "Ben Riggs, B, you know, B R I G G S." The second she finishes saying S, a guy walks by with a Briggs Nursery Farm. So it wasn't Ben Riggs, but it was Briggs. Right. And the, the second she spelled it, he walked by, and it's like. All right, Briggs Nursery is a nursery around here. Briggs isn't that that unique of a name, but really, like the second, not by a second or two, like the second she finished his S, that guy walked by, and and you know that was just one of ten scenarios that I could point out that day. And it's like, so if 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 there is some sort of overarching, not even control, it, it's almost like, you know, I, I. Well, you were in the right spot, though. I mean, that's how I would look at that. If I was experiencing that level of synchronicity, like sometimes I'm like experiencing no synchronicity and everything's going against me. And it's like, I'm like way out of alignment. I need to check myself. I need to center myself because I'm in the wrong spot here and I'm acting on ego. Now, you're smoking DMT all the time. I haven't done that like you where, you know, do you think DMT is ego dissolution? Because I, I with these long, um, these people that lay down and do the DMT for a long time, a lot of these reports are saying, like unlike LSD, unlike mushrooms, that you don't have complete ego dissolution. I I disagree with that. I think that I've had, like, I've been completely melted down into the ground Mm -hmm. and shown that I am not this mind and body and I am something else that is maybe potentially infinite and never dies. Um, So I'm just, again, always trying to reconcile people's experiences versus my own. And I've always come to the conclusion that you you trust your own experiences more than other people's. Because a lot of times, it's like people are just quoting the Bible at you, and they've never experienced anything but what the what the preachers told them. You know what I mean? It's like they're going on somebody else's 
experiences. So I've always been, you know, the, the, your personal experiences trump everything else, even other people's books and stuff. Yeah. My, I mean, I, I agree with you. I got completely melted into the flow. I got pulverized. I, I, there is, and not to say that you don't have those flares of ego come up. Um, not that, you know, especially as I'm in this rebuilding period in my life. Yes. There, there are certain things that I want to achieve. Um, but it is done for, in my opinion, hopefully now all the right reasons where I, I want, like now I don't think I'm any better or any worse than anybody else. I, I don't judge anybody. I always put myself in somebody else's shoes. I have absolute humility. Um, I feel as though my empathy has been vastly increased by DMT. Uh, yeah, I, the 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 silver spooned Adam Butler, college educated, fancy car, multiple house, fancy you know a lot of money. That guy is gone and will never come back. You know now I'm the the guy walking around with no shoes, trying to hug people and save the world by spreading love i mean it sounds so foolish to say that but so far dude that's the answer though that's it and and like once again it sounds corny but to to kiss babies and pet puppies and to eat good meals on sunsets and to to take wind baths by standing on the ocean like that's it man and and that's been accessible to everybody every day all day and now i know i don't need to look for it it's just open your eyes to what's there and prior to dmp now Maybe I was just ready. And and I guess like, actually this would be a good point. And, and one of my buddies who read the book the other day came to me and said, you know, after reading this book, I don't feel as though you're promoting DMT. I don't feel as though you're telling everybody to do it. He goes, my takeaway from it, and maybe this was just his you know, subjective read of it, was that you don't need to, to go to the, to the depths of hell that you went through. You don't need to lose everything. You don't need to, to you know, spend all of your money and do DMT and, and you crash and burn everything just to come to the conclusion about be mindful, be present, um, you know, don't look outside for inside issues. And, you know, it was a really cool takeaway from the book because it was just, you don't have to go down this path. Like if anything, avoid the path, like don't feel as though you have to write some book about DMT because everything in your life blew up. Like don't let your life blow up in the first place. And I don't think you need DMT to do that. I think Yoga can do that. Going for walks. I agree. Yeah. God's grace. You know, I think God, absolutely. Absolutely. If you believe you're under God's grace, that's it. Like, there you go. Like, you don't need DMT. I mean, it took me DMT to kind of realize that, but I now can endogenously produce my own DMT by feeling his own connected to God. And I feel as though if I'm locked up in a prison cell somewhere, I'm still going to be tripping my balls off on DMT because I've got it in me. And that's a cool power to know. Have you ever considered your soul chose this path every day <laughs> that uh, you chose the hard, the good life and then the hard life and then the, the uh, resurrection? Because my life, honestly, it, it's the most insane life. Like I like my life is like a movie. It really is. And, and when I I always kind of tell myself what makes an, a great movie or a great book, you, you need some drama. You need some some shit to blow up. You, you, know, you know, I I feel as though my entire last few years i just dropped a bomb and obliterated everything in my life but now i have this beautiful fertile soil to grow everything like i'm just i'm throwing seeds and just seeing what grows and i needed that destruction to happen but what a cool what a cool narrative you know and i'm not shitting on people that are like do the the nine to five desk jobs but it's like i've got friends that are 42 years old that are doing the the nine to five and the, the family shit and it's just you know what 
that's all well and good, but that would drive me freaking nuts. Like I, I don't know. Well, I, I think some of those people just don't have the courage and it's, it, it literally comes down to that. You have to be willing to sacrifice. And, and I hate to be this way because this is what seems comes along in life in every iteration, not just with psychedelics, but to ascend, to move to the next level, things must be sacrificed. You have to make changes. You can't carry some things into the next realm. Um, and for me, and I, and I, I'd like to talk to you about this a little bit, cause I know we got to wrap it up here. So we're getting close to two hours, but my experience recently has been, you know, I've been seven days sober, not smoking weed after 12 years of just hardcore, hardcore, like Willie Nelson levels. And, you know, you talked about it earlier that are you, can you continue to use cannabis, correct? I do. Now, how uh, daily, how often do you do it? Yeah, all day. And you don't find that it interferes with the DMT at all? Um, I've honestly been smoking pretty much like that since I was a teenager, like 13, 14. And, and I don't want to say this in an arrogant way, but like I've always gotten straight A's in college. I've always performed high at all my jobs. I've always, okay. I guess just, I, I use it, ever really get high. It, it's more just a equalizer. I just think it expands my consciousness. Um, well, I agree with that, but you know, I, I mean, yeah, I guess you never got lost in the sauce like I did where I'm like smoking like uh, an eighth a day, you know, like, I don't know how much you smoke. Maybe you take one hit. Right. And that's great. You've got like, I, I like to believe that there are people in this world that have just management issues there, there, or they have addiction issues and certain substances aren't for them, but they're okay for potentially I mean, like alcohol. Right. I don't have any issues with alcohol, but obviously at some point you did, you know? And so I'm not here to tempt you to go back in alcohol or anything, but it's like, Apparently you couldn't handle that, right? And apparently, oh, no. apparently was, I can't handle weed. Poison. And right. actually, you know, and and if I could throw out one one line, because this so as an alcoholic for 20 plus years, one of my friends just said something so just easy, but it really resonated was because like if you were allergic to peanut butter and every time you ate peanut butter, you got sick, your throat blew up, like you felt like shit, you felt like you were gonna die. He goes, You would you would clearly stop eating peanut butter, right? He's like, so every time you drink. You're going through all the, you're waking up hungover, you're, you're getting into fight. And he's like, so you're clearly allergic to alcohol and, and not, you know, it wasn't in a judgmental way. It wasn't like, oh, how could you possibly be allergic to peanut butter? What a loser. It was just like a very, your body just doesn't, doesn't handle it well. So that, you know, that gave me a different perspective. Like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm doing Ooh, wow. something that clearly doesn't, you know, jive well with me. And That's with the, the weed, like, you know, I'll pack a bowl and one bowl will last for hours, you know, that's what I'm saying. You can handle it. You have it under control for me. You know, you made a really perfect point there because that was how I was able to turn the corner on weed, which was, it was kind of like the Alan Carr non-smoking thing, which was like, this is a burden. Like, why are you continuing, continually saddling yourself with a 500 pound gorilla yeah. uh, for a temp, like a very, and in my case, cause the tolerance levels are sky high. Why are you letting this 500 pound gorilla ride on your back every day when you're not even getting anything out of it anymore? Like I, I, I wrote a list and on the list I had the good things and it was like two good things. It was like temporary, <laughs> temporary pain relief and yeah. just the, the ability to disassociate from bullshit. And on the other side of the column, the bad column, it was like 50 things. It was like money and like you're lethargic and you're, you're not as funny. You're not as sharp. And uh, you know, it's this whole like uh, religion I have of like, I got to smoke weed. I got to do this. I got to eat, you know, eating pop tarts at midnight. You know what I mean? With chocolate milk and bullshit. I'm like, my life has completely gotten better in the seven days that I've stopped. And, and uh, that's, that's a great, if it feels like it works, keep doing it. That's a great analogy though. Like if you're allergic to peanut butter, why would you keep eating it? You know, that's a better way to put it than I put it, which is, you know, you're engaging in something that's obviously harmful. Why, why, why continue? Well, and the, and the you know, prerequisite to that statement was, Adam, you're one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. And, and, you know, I respect you on so many levels, but like, 
man, you're a fool. Now this guy, he, he's now, I think 14 years sober, you know, so at the time he was 11 years into it. So he, he had, he had gone through the same, the same path and, and saw my pain and was mm -hmm. just like, you have everything in front of you, but it's all going to get taken away. Um, so that actually tonight I have two other conversations, both with people that are using psychedelics to help with their sobriety. Um, mm -hmm. One's a, a young guy and, and the other one, I actually don't know if it's a man or woman or not, but it, it helps. Um, yeah, al alcohol just did not did not work with me. Yeah, um, well, and that, that's oh, another thing. Oh, go ahead. I, I wanted to say that you mentioned about smoking weed before sleep, I, I think on two podcasts ago, and about lucid dreaming. Mm -hmm. um, I So I, I love lucid dreaming. Everyone, every time I go to bed at night, like I... I'm active in my dreams. I remember my dreams. I can coherently move in my dreams. I get messages from my dreams. But planning, you know, with the intention of using DMT right before bed, prior to going to sleep, with the intention of having that open up your lucid dream, it, it is almost like this extended state DMT thing where instead of, all right, I'm going to do DMT and then whatever, go out and do something and process it. It's like, no, I'm going to go DMT, do DMT as my nightcap and do it like in your bed, ready to sleep and it's what a hell of a way to set off. Nice. So, like, I mean, it really just, you, you don't have to do, I should say, you still have to do meditate and intention and, and really understand why you're doing it. But what a, a way to just open the portal up. So before you go to bed, you take a hit of the vape pen. Well, like last night I, I ripped it like seven, eight times. And, <laughs> yeah. and you just like lay back and then you're, you enter the DMT realm and then you never come back awake until morning. Right. Wow. So, and, and I, um, like I think you you mentioned Dick Kahn's book, so a lot of a lot of information in there. But the actual other than his, you know, and he spent a lot of time going over his individual experiences. But his like breakdown of actual you know doing it was was I thought pretty pretty straight on. Um, I just lost the point I was going to make. Dick Kahn, all right, and his uh his lucid point, dreaming. lucid dreaming and uh, you know, oh oh about excuse me about doing it in the daytime and with your eyes open, I would say 95% of the hundreds of times that I've done DMT, I, I always do it with my eyes closed. I find that yet you can open up your eyes and yes, you, you see the world kind of change in the morphing and, and all of that, but the real show is in your head. And, and Oh I, yeah, dude. I love, and, and I guess that maybe that's where the, the float chambers come in where you're yes. just isolated, dark. You're, you're being, once again, you're, be, you're being forced to be mindful and present. But man, what what an experience that is to just, dude. I'm telling you, that's why I push. Okay, if you want to take your psychedelic game to the next level, anybody that's listening, start floating. You know, you don't need to do the floating, uh, the drugs in the float tank, but the floating is going to create a groove in your mind where you're able to meditate. And I and the, there's one specific drug that I, drug that I really think benefits from. I mean, of course, all the psychedelics do, but LSD is a meditator's drug. The more you're able to be still, the more you're able to cut out the outside, the more you're able to go inside the LSD pays up infinitely more than it does with, you know, yeah, you know, the, the waves and the walls breathing and stuff like that. That's cool. And it shows you something about reality that, you know, potentially it's not as solid as you think it is. Who, who knows what, what takeaway you have from open eyes, but I 100% agree with you that do DMT eyes closed because it seems to me in my experiences of doing it and also hearing about it, the open eyes only gets significantly crazy when you take a massive dose where it's beyond your eyes, right? It doesn't matter if your eyes are closed at that point. Have you experienced that where you've had open eyed, but it was just visual field of like, you know, hyperspace? Yeah, but not as like, I would say the visuals on shrooms are probably more, I don't want to say, 
more enjoyable than DMT. I mean, it, it's a different, it's a whole different, you know, DMT is this kind of like sporadic. I liken it to like violin playing. Like if you hear somebody that really is ripping violin, you know, it, it's smooth and it's mm-hmm. flowing, but it's this chaotic break of back and forth. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's exciting to watch, but not, you know, what's in my head and in my consciousness is just so much more expansive and it's so much more unique. Like, I, I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm still viewing my 3d earth life so to speak but just with dmt eyes but when i shut my mind or shut my eyes it's like i'm going in and and going in is way more expansive than anything i could see outside and it's just well i agree that's what jesus says the kingdom of heaven is within and that's why i push the float tank you know yes you can take your float tank as a bazooka for your acid and and your mushrooms and dmt i had a guy we used to be friends with ultimately stabbed me in the back but he came in and he was one of the one of the few guys that I was friends with that I would let him just do whatever he wanted in the float tank. And he had DMT pen and he would go in the float tank. And this is a hard thing to do. So I don't recommend this because you've got to have somebody to hand your pipe or your pen off to. Right. You know, otherwise it's falling in the Epsom salt solution. So this guy would get in the float tank and he would manage somehow to, to take a few hits of his DMT pen. And I guess I don't I wasn't in the room, but I guess he would put it down somewhere before he laid back into the dark water. And he told me, he's like, uh, Baphomet appeared and I could feel the energy of all the meat eaters in the tank because he was a vegan. And I think a lot of times, again, this is why it always goes back to my own personal experience. I think it's a mirrored experience. I think DMT psychedelics in general are some kind of uh, uh, unconscious, subconscious, funhouse mirror of your psyche. Non-specific amplifier. I heard that term the other day as a non-specific amplifier. There you go. Beautiful. That it's, it's based on you. It's based on your energy, your mind, your intentions. Yeah. If you're trying to dial into the devil, you might reach him. If oh, you, yeah, for sure. you know, so I'm, uh, I, that's why I remain kind of neutral. You know, you know, if you want to jump in these waters, I'm trying to give you as much information as possible. I'm trying to give you the Lewis book with the, the dragon. I'm trying to give you the DMT field guide to say, here's really, this guy's as honest as it gets. He's done it more than anybody I know outside of Dick Khan. And, uh, cause that's the thing. There's so many, there's so few people that have done it at the level to talk about it, uh, with any kind of true knowledge. And then a lot of times here's my issue with it. My, my real issue is people that are spiritually ungrounded that enter into these realms and they don't know what demons are. If they even exist, it's their unconscious mind playing tricks on them. If it's a joker, if it's a long con, they don't know what it is. Those are the people I worn and but it, it sounds to me like you didn't have much of a spiritual like i mean i guess you were a catholic but what was your spiritual condition in terms of what you you, were, you said you were an atheist though right you didn't really you so know I mean? when i was in college being you know studying entomology it really was everything has to be data everything should be backed up by facts and then when i got out of school i really started studying all of the religions so you know i i i found I guess one big thing was I felt as though both science and religion were both trying to explain the exact same thing. So they they weren't coming from opposing viewpoints. They were actually coming from the middle and separating that they were both trying to explain this beautiful, wonderful world that was just honestly not explainable. Like you can't, you can't, in my opinion, like you can't study insects at a level that I did and not believe in God. Like how, how is, how is that possible? Yeah. How does a bee fly? So this, the science in the religion actually mended into this one like oh they're just actually trying to explain the same thing just using different terminology and then i started exploring more of the religions and i found as though 
as different as they are, there's still some very universal threads. And then you go beyond religions and you start getting into like the hermetic text text and some of the, the even, you know, older language. And it all came down, in my opinion, to the same, the same basic message, which is it is all energy, it is all vibration, it is all mental, it is and, and you know, it's hot, it's tough to just simplify it like that, but you don't need to overcomplicate it. And and yeah, just just break it down. And as far as DMT. Uh, you know, and I said this as well in my book that have my book be one of many in your library. And and honestly, probably not the first. Like if somebody said, well, what's the first book you need to, you know, Rick Strassman and his work, I think, to give you an understanding. You know, there's a couple other ones that, that are that are really good just to get you a baseline. But have my book be part of it. You know, have have my input be something that that gives a different perspective. But yeah, this is this would be one of many books to read in one of like I said, it took me months and months and months of research, knowing that I had access to it before I actually did it. Um, but then all the questions that I asked were comfortably answered. And I felt as though that this was the time for me. And and to your point at the beginning, it will call you, um, but it will also tell you, hey, not quite yet. And if and if anybody's listening and they're like, uh, I keep still thinking it's not right, then, then it's not right. Um, and I, I never push it on anybody. But for the person that's like, you know what? everything else isn't working and I've got to figure some shit out. And it really is a reset. It, it removes the plaque. Like it allows, it allows either your inner light to fully shine without the bullshit of, of society's plaque built upon you, or it allows you to receive the universal light from the, from the, another source without having that plaque on you. Either way, DMT, in my opinion, blast that plaque off your body for your light to shine and for you to receive it. And there's a lot of reasons why people are covered in plaque. You know, I feel that I too. We had it our own, but I like your quote here. DMT yeah. will crank up the heat in your brain to allow the congealed blockages to melt away. There you go. Your brain, you, it's a, you, you say you will fry your brain and you won't be able to return to your normal life. And I agree with that. When I was first getting into psychedelics and my life was like really being inverted and I was, it, it, okay, so what, I don't know what happened to you, but for me, it was the pain of the ego I was experiencing at the time of being slowly dismantled by God through my own uh misalignment to the truth and also through god's new plan for me and and my job my career woman um my outlook on where i thought i was going it was just permanently dissolved um and there's really nothing i could do about it but go into the wave so mm -hmm. my thing is for people that are approaching these psychedelics like i i get it you might be at the at your wits in at the bottom then you got nothing to lose but if you like your life right now to any degree do not mess with psychedelics because <laughs> they will in totally show you something that you don't even have any idea of even comprehending what it is. And that will, you know, create that urge to understand, I think, what am I missing or is what's the meaning of life? Um, I, or I was totally wrong about what I believed about life. And then you will never be, you're right. You will never, ever be able to return to your normal life again post DMT. And that's what you know, death by astonishment as Terrence McKenna says is the only real pitfall of engaging in at least smokable DMT usage. I, I can't speak for ayahuasca because I've never done it. It, it. it will. I mean, smoking DMT will blow up your, your foundational thoughts. Now, and it sounds like in both of our cases and a lot of people, my foundational thoughts were already blown up. Mm -hmm. I, I had, I had really, you know, I was standing on quicksand as it was. So it was now if somebody is so sure that either they 
they agree with God or don't, or that they know that there's like if, if somebody's going in this with this this arrogant attitude, like, oh yeah, I've got to yeah, it will rock you to your core and it could completely dismantle somebody's I mean, it could ruin relationships. It oh, could, yeah. could show that people don't love you. I mean it so yeah, but it, but it that, it's worth it though. Truth. It it will it will show the mirror that you need to 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 see. As Jesus says, the truth will set you free, and I, I do believe that, yeah, as much as you like a little ego trap that people are, their, their lives that they're stuck in, the, the cars, the women, the the prestige, the, the academia, the being right about something or not, that uh, it's not worth it in the end to hold on to a lie. No. No. Nope. You know, I want to know the and, truth. And you know, I'd rather have people, like, like you and I talk about putting ourselves out there, I'd rather have somebody appreciate, respect me, and ultimately love me for who I am than being fake around me or liking the the facade of Adam, you know, it's like, exactly. Right, I can put on the showy things, but give me the person that will sit with me at the car and hold my hand and cry. When I talk about my bullshit, like that's what I'll ride with. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Adam, I, there's about five or six more things I, I could talk about, but I know you got two more conversations to have today and I'm sure we'll have a part two at some point after we've seen you floating when I figure <laughs> out where you're at and uh, we'll get you in the float tank. Well, I'm, like to... I'm still in my travel mode, so I'm, I'm still kind of floating around the universe. So okay. for me to get on the road and, and drive, I'm, I'm down to go anywhere. Well, when we get, when I get you off the air here, we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. Um, so I was going to go through the i'm not going to go through it actually because this this is a small book i don't want to spoil the whole book with this one interview but you have so many chapters here let's go through the chapters i'm just going to name them off who the fuck am i the dmt the miracle molecule let's take a trip what a dmt session feels like and how to prepare for it we didn't really talk about the transcendental sex and art and science uh in the bedroom and because that's one of the things i've been really super cautious about knowing you know potentially the implications of psychedelic use and your psyche and the energy field, which is what are you opening yourself up to? And what are you letting in with another person? And so not only forget about sex, I don't even do psychedelics with people, unless it's one of these ones like five MEO DMT, where you could like choke on it or something. I've never done that. But um, I would do that with a trip sitter. But I usually don't have a trip sitter, because I don't, I feel like I'm, you know, God can destroy me or not. And I'm okay with that. And I'd much rather deal with my own shit than other people's stuff. So, and, and so to take that to the next level, to sleep with somebody. Now, I, I know you have a conscious partner and she's involved and she, has even, she even has a chapter in the book. Yes. So shout out to uh, Alicia. Alicia. Is that, yeah. yeah. But you, you've got your, you know, your grandma's recipe, how to make your own DMT, how DMT can help. Um, you know, who the fuck are you? So this is a great book. I don't want to spoil the whole thing because it is a short read. Um, it's 100 pages, which I appreciate. Again, I like people that are concise to the point. Um, you know, I don't need the bullshit. I don't need uh, a long, I'm doing it right now by talking. So I'm not being concise personally. So I just want to thank you. I'm going to leave you with the last word and anything you want to promote, talk about it's on you, my friend. That's it. Spread and promote love. Um, be there for one another. There's a lot of people are in dark places and they're afraid to talk about it. And I would say, the biggest thing that I can take away from my experience with DMT is that now I see other people's pain and I, and I, and I now have the confidence to go up to them and talk about it. So be there for one another because you, you, you know, you never know when you're going to be needed that person to lean on. And, you know, obviously, yeah, I, I'd love to promote my book. If, if you found this conversation interesting, by all means, please buy it. I mean, it's available on Amazon. Um, you can get it pretty much anywhere. Do you have I a website? Because I, I am kind of, like if you do buy it and you do enjoy it, can you please leave a review? Because I've asked like 
50 of my friends that have read it. Like, ah, oh, great book. Can you leave a review? And, and I'm going to leave a review as soon as I get off the... Uh, no, no one has. So the, Nobody has. Well, I should, oh. I've got like seven. But I think for the Amazon algorithms, you need like 25 or 50 reviews. Okay. And then you start getting promoted. So like... Guys, please promote the book. Please buy the book. It's like, what is it? Like 10, 15 bucks? How much was the book? Uh, I can't remember. Twelve ninety nine. And honestly, I would like if you need one, I'll send you one. And, and I've been saying that to everybody. This isn't about making profit. It really is about spreading the message. And I've given out several books to people that need it. And I would say, you know, that that's the message. And I'll send free books to anybody. I'll send and, a PDF copy if need be too. Um, and, you, and, and you're a first time author too, right? This is a first uh, book for you. Yeah, that's, that's a really good job for your first time. I mean, I you know, it's a whole thing too. forget about all the content of the book. It's like assembling the content. It's, you know, finding a publisher. Is this print on demand? It is. Yes, yeah, uh, so most of the books are now. Yeah. So I don't have a room full of books. Right. Uh, and, and I worked with a really cool indie publisher, you know, so they help with the cover design and, yes. and all the editing. Stillwater and... River. Shout out yep. to Stillwater River. It's a great book. I, it's, it, it, I, I could have just as easily bought this at Barnes and Noble, you know, like it's a really well, it's good there. book. It's Bonson, you can go on Barnes and Noble. It's there in their uh, nook form. So. <laughs> oh, nice. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, guys, go check out Butler's DMT Field Guide, a brief history, step-by-step -step recipes and personal experiences from a DMT saturated consciousness. And I can say say for a fact you are enlightened you have passed the test in terms of um somebody that's qualified to talk about this subject matter very few people are and you definitely are thank you for enriching my um dmt understanding and i look forward to uh conversating again in the future yeah i look forward to it um i appreciate your input too and, and i i value your input I, I think you'd fit in very nicely with my group of psychedelic friends well, I consider us friends now. I don't know if you do or not, but I definitely consider us friends and um, uh, colleagues. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna promote this book. And again, I, I I do urge people to have caution and trepidation and do your homework and set and setting. You know, it can be exciting to be like, I have a way to heal myself, but you got to be careful and you got to do it right. Because remember, at the end of the day, this stuff is still illegal. Oh yeah, and I I do have my email address in the book too, and and I would say this. At this point in my life, I, I can say I'm open to emails. Like if I can help anybody by sharing a, a words of encouragement or even just my experience, you know, I, I do. I did put my email in the book specifically to hopefully be able to reach out and help some people too. So, you know, I am I am accessible if anybody did want to talk to me as well. I Man, I missed your email twice. It was I asked for your email like before we got on this call, and I'm like, and I looked back at our conversation, I'm like, oh, there it is in the conversation. And I looked, and you just said it was in the book, and I said I must have missed it in the book somehow. But uh, I appreciate, like, again, like my whole thing is about openness and honesty, and you definitely hit the mark there too, which is why people resonate. One thing I've learned in life, forget about what we're talking about, anything that's honest and true, especially now in this world of inverted lies, people are like so thirsty for any kind of truth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and, and, and you offer a possibility towards healing and, and, and really the most important thing I think is our existence, why we're here, what is God, what happens when we die. And being mindful and present. Don't yes, uh, that's the thing. The past or the future, just like this instant right now is the only one you have, and it's the best one. Like, and, and yes, I got goosebumps next, on that. And the next and the next, it's like just be there, and and it'll all work out. And uh, and compassion too. The big compassionate takeaway of uh, and I I couldn't agree more. Like that's really been one of the big takeaways, and I think the most important takeaway is having more empathy and compassion for my fellow man. And, you know, I, 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 to the point where I have sympathy for the devil, I have sympathy for child molesters because I think that they were abused as a child. Not that I you know, obviously, you know, approve of what they do, but at some point that person was a child, maybe the devil, right? Lucifer was a child, right? So 
that is the extent of compassion that psychedelic use has given me, that I'm able to empathize with the worst of the worst people, knowing that they at one point was a, were, a cho- were children, you know, that they didn't ask to be abused or, or, or be witness to whatever they witnessed to make them the monster that they are. So that's like really, I think the biggest, most important takeaway is compassion for your fellow man. I agree. Awesome. Well, guys, check him out. Adam Butler, DMT Field Guide. Make sure you buy a copy. Don't be a bum. He'll give you one, but you know, try to use that law of attraction and abundance to your uh, you know benefit. I think it's really important to support independent artists that are outside the system, and and Adam definitely is one of them. So, Thank you so much. God bless you. You are in lines, and we'll uh, talk to you again soon after you float. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Uh- Satisfies. Oh.